Our scripture today is the almost the entire book of Philemon. And I encourage you, actually, on this day, we don't normally do this, but actually to find it. <laughs> it's on page 215, 215 in the New Testament, so towards the end of your pew Bibles. 215 in the New Testament. And the reason is that there's a lot of strange names in this book, and you just might, might be helpful just to visualize and see them as I read the text. So from the book of Philemon, and may God's spirit empower us to receive with joy and hear with wisdom what God is saying to the church this day. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to our beloved co-worker, Philemon, to our sister Apphia, and to our fellow soldier, Archippus, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I mention you in my prayers, because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the partnership of your faith may become effective as you comprehend all the good that we share in Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though, I am more than bold enough in Christ to command you to do the right thing. Yet, I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might minister to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while so that he, you might have him back for the long term, no longer a slave but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say, I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
I want to tell you a story. A story of Mr. Bound, Mr. Kind, and Mr. Useful. A story of Mr. Bound, Mr. Kind, and Mr. Useful. So the book of Philemon, as we have seen, could pretty much be read in 90 seconds. It's not the shortest book in the Bible. It's the third shortest book in the Bible. But it's probably one maybe you've never read. Maybe you didn't know it was there. Now you do. Philemon is notoriously difficult to preach from, but it happens to be a lectionary text for today. If that's a new term to you, it just means that Christians throughout the world are also pondering this text on the same day. And why is Philemon difficult? Well, basically, Paul is saying to Philemon, hey, you know that slave of yours that's run away? I'm sending him back to you. This human being, this beloved of God, I am sending him back to you. Now, because of his status as a runaway slave, Onesimus could be severely punished or put to death for the crime of self-emancipation. We would think Paul would say, I'm going to keep him here. He's very, very important to me. He is my own child, my own heart. But no, he's sending him back. And believe it or not, in the 19th century, both pro-slavery advocates and abolitionists used these very texts to support their point of view. And saying that, we may need a little help to grasp the tension that's at the heart of this letter. And to hear how these 21 verses could be used as our emancipation proclamation, our freedom papers, and even a secret love letter all at the same time. So let's start with the very first word, Paul. Paul, he says, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now these are very four and very impactful words, but we need to know who Paul is for this to make any sense. You may, you may know who Paul is, but let me tell you a little bit more about him that makes this book so impactful. Paul, Paul was a Jewish man in the first century, and he called himself a hyper-Jewish man. It meant that he was really good at being Jewish, he knew how to follow the law. He knew he was zealous, he said, for the law itself. He grew up some 600 miles north of Jerusalem, away from the center of Judaism. He grew up in a Roman Greek town, what would today be on the coast of Turkey. But he grew up in a very cosmopolitan place. There were Greeks and there were Romans and there were probably Egyptians and Parthians and Medes and Abyssinians and all kinds of folks there. It was a hub of trade and industry. But Paul distinguished himself through education and through zealousness to be, among strangers, a representative of God's covenanted people. And so when it happened that the followers of Jesus, the very first ones, 
who were Jewish themselves, went out into the world, out among these strangers, we call them Gentiles or Greeks or Romans, he went out to them. These early followers went out and proclaimed a crucified Jewish Messiah. Paul took notice. He thought, they're not following the law for which I am so zealous. And he began to persecute what became known as the church, wherever it sprung up. Paul became a tormentor, a persecutor, one who sought out these followers of, of Jesus and said, I wanted to bring them back into the fold, as, as it were, but to punish them. Crucified Jewish Messiah made no sense to Paul. But something happened along the way. As Paul went out to persecute, he was encountered by none less than the risen Christ himself. Paul was on his way to Damascus, and we're told that there was a bright light and a voice that came from heaven that said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? I am Jesus. And from that moment on, Paul's life made a radical shift towards, instead of persecuting those who proclaimed the gospel, he became the greatest advocate for the church itself. Now think about this man who in the Roman system, though he was a Jewish man living in the empire, he too was a citizen. He thought of himself as free in the empire. And yet the voice of God through Jesus Christ said to him, you thought you were free, but you were actually enslaved yourself to sin and to death and to the powers of evil in the world. And in Christ you are free. Tricky thing though, from this point on in his life, Paul never mentions, he never says, hi, I'm Paul, a free man. He always says something like, hi, I'm Paul, a slave. And in, the God, in this, this letter to Philemon, even I have to think about that, Philemon, he's, the second word of the book is, he says, I'm Paul, a prisoner. That's how it's usually translated, prisoner, for, gospel, for the gospel, for Jesus Christ, for God. But here, actually, the word is bound, bound. Now, if we just said prisoner, we would say, well, poor Paul, he's out there proclaiming the gospel and the, the Roman Empire doesn't like that, so they're putting him in prison. It's also an unjust. There's more to that story about Mr. Bound. He says, I am Paul. I am bound by ropes, by chains, by so much more, though. If it's just prisoner, he's off in some cell somewhere. We'll pray for him. He'll get out, maybe. But he says, no, no, this is, from, this is something from which I will never be free. I am bound to the gospel and to everyone who's implicated and brought in and enticed by the gospel. I am Mr. Bound, he says, and I am bound to Jesus Christ. Other, way, other places, Paul refers to himself as a slave. Such a radical thing for him to do. He was a free man. He could go anywhere in the empire. 
but always designates himself as a slave. And these words will come even important for us to understand why read Philemon. It's just this little book stuck in the back of the Bible. In Jesus Christ, Paul was given his freedom papers, but he understood himself as a slave of Jesus Christ, a slave of the gospel, a slave of the Lord, proclaiming a new freedom. No longer Jew or Greek, he says, no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, but oneness, oneness in Christ Jesus, a new creation. We're still only in the second word here. We got 21 verses. So here he is, Paul, Mr. Bound, he says, the bound one. And in his bound state, he has some friends, more than friends. He calls them fellows. He says, You are fellow slaves along with me. You are fellow workers. You are fellow soldiers for the gospel of love and freedom. And and it's, you can hear it in his voice as he says, I claim all of you to be bound as well. Everyone I address here, Philemon, Apphia, Archippus, everybody in your household, you too are bound free people. There is a oneness that is a deep mystery that we call the body of Christ. Okay, two verses in. Let's take a moment, though, to learn about Philemon, because this is who the letter is addressed to, and it's right there in front. We've met Mr. Bound. Now we have to meet Philemon. His name has a special meaning for this letter. Philemon. It means kind. Kind. It means loving. It is very close to the Greek word philema, which means kiss. A kiss upon the cheek. Paul reminds him, we are so close that we would kiss each other on the cheek, Mr. Kind. It's not a name we would give a child today, most likely. Anybody ever met a Philemon? But I can't think of a more endearing name to have. Beloved one, it means. Paul knows what that means, and he says, I am addressing my letter to you, Philemon, the beloved, the kind, the loving one. And I thank my God always when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love for all the saints. That's you guys. And for your faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is reminding Philemon of who God had called him to be. Be kind, be loving, as I know you are, toward all the holy ones, those beloved in Christ, all of them. This will make more sense in a moment. Very soon, Paul is going to name another saint whom Philemon should love. Paul continues to appeal to Philemon based on their mutuality. I pray that the partnership of your faith may be effective as you comprehend all the good that we share in Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. You and I are brothers. We are co-workers. And the mutuality they share is not about their social ranking. It's about their being in Christ, bound. Christ who knits their hearts together. Paul is skillful. He's building towards something, though. 
And he says, based on your loving character and our mutual calling to serve Christ's church, I am more than bold enough to, in Christ to command you to do the right thing. Yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. That's what your name means. It's what we share. And I know that as one who is bound in the bonds of Christ Jesus, I am appealing to you for my child, he says. Now, if Paul were Scottish, he would, call, he would say, I am on behalf of my wee bairn. If you know that term. His wee bairn, someone that he himself has borne. That's how much he distances. It's not just my child. It is somebody who has come from my own flesh. I appeal to you on, for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment in bondage. Now we've come to it. This letter is really about Onesimus. The story is, as we know it, Onesimus was a slave in Philemon's house. Something happened. Onesimus runs away. He runs to Paul and says, and he, and he forms a relationship with them. He comes to believe in the gospel too, and he becomes a partner in the gospel. But he ran away. He emancipated himself. In that household, Philemon had a church. And the church met together and fellowshiped together, but Onesimus at this point is outside that fellowship. Now, we have to take a moment. We've met Mr. Bound, we've met Mr. Kind, and we need to meet our next person, Onesimus. Onesimus's name means useful. He was a slave. It was the third most common name for a slave in that society. Useful. Could you come fill my water glass, please? Useful. Go out to the fields. Useful. 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 The name lost its meaning the more it was said. Onesimus at one point was merely useful. And then Paul comes back and he says, Look, Onesimus may or may not have been useful to you. And he uses a different word for useful here. And I need to say it just so you'll get to hear it with new ears. The word is krestos, krestos. Now, Onesimus was useful, used to be krestos to you on a limited basis. But I want him to be more than krestos. I want him to be your brother. More than useful. Interesting enough... That word krestos was so close to Christos that some people back then got it confused. And they used to call, instead of calling us Christians, they called us Christians. And they thought, Christians, that's a slave name. And those people out there who were following some Jewish slave, they're ridiculous. Uh, they're social outcasts. We don't even want to listen to them. And so they got that confused. But krestos was another most common name given to slaves. Mr. Useful. Misuseful. And Paul, in this letter, we don't hear it with our English ears. We don't hear it. He says, he's more than a slave, more than a slave, more than useful, more than useful, more than. And it reminds Paul of Jesus Christ. As he says, he lifts up in the letter to the Philippians, he says, Jesus Christ, who he though was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. 
but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness. And Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Therefore, the identity as one who is bound, anointed yet free. Yes, we are all slaves, but we are freed in Christ. Paul knows how to use words. He says, Onesimus has been more than useful to me in the proclamation of the gospel. Therefore, he is more than useful to you. He was once a slave. Now he was far more than a slave to you in Christ. He is your brother. Welcome him back to your household and to your church that meets in your household. Beloved Philemon, Mr. Kind, live up to your name. Do the right thing. And if Onesimus has accrued any debt, let me pay it. For you know that Christ Jesus paid a debt that none of us could pay. Just reminding you. Do this thing for me, brother. Receive useful back as more than useful. Welcome him. Refresh my heart in Christ Jesus. I am confident of your obedience. You are beloved. I am beloved. And Onesimus is beloved. He is more than useful. He is more than a slave. He is welcome. We hear it over and over again. Do the right thing in Christ. You, I know you will. Well, we've come to the end of Philemon, condensed, expanded upon. And you may say, well, Dr. Mike, what does this have to do with us? And I would say, Everything. We are called to a radically new existence in Christ, new creation, because God has freed us all from slavery to sin and to death and has handed us our emancipation papers in Jesus. We are called to love one another as brothers and sisters, and Paul says, love one another and be bound to one another as slaves mutually. Love one another. And as I write this sermon, it is Labor Day weekend. Think of those in your life who are merely useful. You encounter them every day. They serve a purpose at the grocery store or anywhere else. Somebody in your life may be only useful to you. What would it mean for you and me to welcome them, to treat them as beloved in Christ? For that is what they are. That is what you are, more than useful. You are welcome, beloved servants of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.